What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the full switch on the Universal Radio Network. I am here today with a very, very special guest, someone whom I strongly admire in the fitness space. We bring to you the one and only Brendan J. Fox, who happens to be the co-founder and educator of Exercise Therapy Association. He is in town this weekend, as well as Jeff, who's alongside him. And we have had the fortunate opportunity for the last day here in the next coming two days to continue to learn uh, just the jam-packed amount of value that these guys are bringing to the fitness industry when it comes to pain-free living. And I could go on about this, but I just want to get the chance to welcome Jeff personally and, uh, or sorry, welcome Brendan personally and have him share a little bit of, you know, your story in how you came into the fitness space and what impact you're making now, my friend. That, excellent. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. And I think like many people, um, I had my own experiences with aches and pains. So I used to be a very competitive athlete in football and kickboxing, actually, and I suffered a very serious shoulder injury. And I was trying to get some help for it. I was going to physio and seeing different therapists, and nothing seemed to be helping. And looking back, it seemed like the therapists were just as lost as I was in terms of how to make this issue better. So in my learning journey, I had taken kinesiology in university, and I realized like I might actually have to figure this out myself. And so I just started like taking every course I could, reading all the books and everything else. And I was my own first client as far as getting pain free. But then that set the momentum for a career in which I've just kind of enjoyed and been passionate about resolving aches and pains and injuries that where traditional methods have failed. Wow. I, I really like how you said that you've practice a lot of this personally on your own first. There was a lot of uh, conversation back and forth on that with me and some of the students today in the class. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those concepts when you're in the health space where I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but it's almost like before I periodize or program something for somebody, I want to make sure I at least try this for myself. Whether it's applicable or not, I want to just make sure that I know what it is that I'm about to do for somebody. And I don't know how much that resonates for you, Brendan, where, you know, you've had, I believe, over 30,000 hours of logged training time with clients over the past many years you've been a trainer. And, you know, a lot of what we talk about on this show is making sure that, you know, you are leading by example and you are uh, ensuring that you're showing people a good example of what that looks like in the space you're in. And on this particular topic, when it comes to trying something out before you deliver that information to someone how much does that resonate with you and, and what does that trial period look like when it comes to um programming before you give something well it's a it's a great point and at the exercise therapy association we teach to everybody that the main way of coming to truth is through your own experience and this was a necessity because i found that i learned things in school that didn't translate in the real world I took things that I learned in courses, tried it in the real world, didn't work. So we're big fans of truth through experience. You need to test and see for yourself that something's going to actually work in the same way that, you know, you could read a cookbook, but you can't really tell that the recipe is going to be good by just reading the ingredients. You need to prepare it and chef it up yourself. And I think that makes for a more authentic experience for our clients. And it also helps us to purify the actual truth and purify what can actually help because a lot of times the temptation in our industry is just blind belief or dogmatic thinking it's i'm going to take this approach because this expert says to do it or i'm going to give you these exercises for your back because this is what i learned in university whereas i find if we just always use truth through experience and test things out in the real world then we're going to get closer to what can actually help people out yeah i couldn't agree more i find that we're, we're sometimes we tend to give every single client and this could be in any field you can argue the the exact same prescription we could call it that we gave a client previous and call that cheating call that you know beating around the bush and going the easy way but in all actuality, I find what really makes something personalized is, is put the personal in personal training. 
And, and this is something I really learned from your programming and from your philosophy through your teachings, Brendan, is you say this a lot is literally today we talked about how no one client should have the exact same mobility exercises, even in their warm up as another person, because everyone, the way they move, the way they behave is going to be different from the other person. And to be honest, like when I put myself in the shoes of anyone that's new in the space of training or even in the health field or rather anything, there's that sense of faking it till you make it because no one wants to admit that they didn't know this because there's just so much you go in to the one certification you have, right? To that Mm. ticket that gets you in. And then you get this moment of realizing, wait a minute, I actually don't know anything and I have to learn constantly in order to get better. And there is that element of feeling like it's not going to be perfect yet, but is there any advice you can share to someone who is brand new to the space they're in? They're super excited about it, but then that excitement almost leaves as soon as they start because of the overwhelming feeling of, oh, I don't know anything actually. And I'm actually now one step closer to leaving because I don't want to come off like someone who doesn't know anything. Yeah, well, uh, the first thing I would say is that I've been there and I can relate. I had imposter syndrome big time when I started in the fitness industry as a personal trainer. I had finished university kinesiology. I'd taken a number of certifications and then clients are showing up with piriformis syndrome and fibromyalgia and all these different things. And I'm like, I'm at a complete loss on what to do. I'm like, did I sleep in during class that one day in university? We covered piriformis syndrome. And then I researched it and I'm like, all the experts are at just as much of a loss on what to do on this. So I think I've been in that space, but I would also say that this industry working as a health professional, it is worth sticking it out. It is worth putting in the effort to transition through those inescapable stages of your development. It's kind of like going for a swim in a lake. The water's really cold when you adjust, but then once you're in, it feels good. So as you're sort of learning to find your rhythm, it might be in a bit of an uncomfortable adjustment period, but it's going to feel good when you get in. And I think the key is to take the pressure off yourself. Don't pretend like you have the answer on everything because really that's inauthentic as well because we don't know for sure. Pitch everything as an experiment. So just say to your client, okay, well, you have this knee issue. We're going to try an experiment. Mm. Right. Here's some stretches and exercises that could help. Or maybe it's a hip issue and just say, look, we're going to try an experiment and see if that helps. And I would just pitch everything in that way. Now, the best way to go about things, one of the greatest keys to success, I could say, for a fitness and health professional is that if a client shows up and they have an ache or a pain, don't rather than just blindly give them a series of stretches and exercises you think will help, it's good to have some sort of a success indicator, something that you test both before and after the drills you've prescribed. So I might have a movement that brings on pain for somebody, or I might do a functional assessment or a mobility assessment. And at the Exercise Therapy Association, we teach all of these feedback loops. So we test it out. We get a number behind it in terms of how they performed. Then we try out a series of movements and then we retest and see how much did we improve in our range of motion? How much more pain-free are they now? How much more functional are they now? And that way you can actually verify that something's helping. And then that makes your job more enjoyable because you're, you're selling it to the client. You're actually showing your value. You're proving it to yourself. You're providing value. It makes it more exciting to show up knowing that you're being a force for good in the world instead of just hoping that what you're doing is good. So I'd say just take the wisdom up a notch, go to the second level and how you conduct yourself. <laughs> and it's a lot more fun and you'll be able to, you'll be able to help people even more. I love that you mentioned that because it gives, uh, it gives certain indicators. You're, you're, you're gamifying the experience from the moment you have a consult with somebody. And that gamification comes from having numbers in place having an idea of you know when you're tracking where someone's pain is or how comfortable a movement feels out of 10 and then in total you have a score that represents where they're currently at and you could tell that person that hey you know what there's some things we're going to go over today and there's even more we could go over for the next six months to make you feel zero or close to no pain at all is that something you're worth invest is, is that worth the investment and that in and of itself is selling the service that you're offering. And I love how you actually make a point to talk about that in Exercise Therapy Association where 
no personal trainer signs up to become a glorified salesperson. Mm-hmm. But if you focus on being able to provide someone right on the spot, tangible value, and that going back to your point about you need to first test how they're moving without showcasing what's going to make them move better. Because that's, that's, <laughs> that's a mistake I made at the beginning where it's like, let me show you a great warm up. And yeah. then from there, let's get you to move better. But there's nothing to compare it to. It's like, first, let's just test to see how your body moves on its own right now. Then we can now apply, you know, certain methods that are going to allow you to move better. Now let's compare that to how it feels afterwards. Mm-hmm. But it's really neat to give that person almost like that immediate feedback on how they're going to be able to improve. So they get that wow factor as opposed to, and I've, I've experienced this in a consultation with someone when it comes to training is you can almost see in their face if they're still scratching their head, whatever it is that you showed them, is that worth $10,000 for a year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? absolutely. You know, I tell people all the time, the master skill to develop as a fitness and health professional is assessments. That is the master skill. If you want to help people burn more fat, you got to have assessments that can keep them injury free. If you want to help them get stronger, you got to have assessments to figure out their weak links so you can strengthen them. You know, if you want them to have better quality of life, you got to assess to figure out what's behind their aches and pains. Like it is literally the master quality. And I would say that, you know, this career can be a very rough career if you don't master assessments. Because you're always going to be struggling to know if you're doing the right thing. Uh, financially, it can be a struggle because most of, the, most of the time people are willing to pay money to get out of pain. Like there's always a demand. I mean, how many people do you know in your life that still have an ache or a pain, even though they've tried to see somebody for it? Tons. Right. And I'm sure everyone listening back at home or can all say that they know somebody who's maybe has back pain. You've seen uh, a therapist and you still have back pain or you still have knee pain or shoulder pain. So there's a huge market out of there of people who are suffering right now that need help from somebody who is going to take this seriously and be in their corner and be their guide and take them out of this territory of aches and pains. And that's what we try to coach people on is, but if you're not assessing, you're just guessing. So it's almost like being a false guide for people. It's so true, Brendan, because a lot of times pain is preventing people from doing what they ultimately loved doing in the first place. And I, I find it's in the question asking that can make the the assessment profound because then through what you're asking, you can start to figure out what it is you need to assess in the first place. And a question that just came to mind that I know I need to ask more personally in consultations is what is this pain stopping you from doing? What, mm, what, what is, awesome. what is this preventing you from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe it's, Oh, you know what? For two years now, I haven't been able to go down the mountains and, and, and ski. I'm so afraid of my injury happening again. So I stopped it. It's like, okay, well, how much was that a part of your life? Oh, it was huge. I went to the mountains every weekend. So now there's this component. There's, there's that missing. So by getting rid of the pain, you are then going to be able to share with them that, okay, if you're pain free, are you going to feel like you're going to be able to do what you love again? Well, yes, of course. I've been doing Cairo here, physio there, this, that. Yeah, yeah. Nothing is working. And then you're now getting down to the root of what truly is missing in their life. Absolutely. I think that, you know, for anyone who's inspired to help other people in their life, personal training is absolutely one of the best things to do. I, I would encourage people to consider getting into the field and I can, I would encourage people who are in the field to consider taking their skills to the next level because not only, I mean, pain can be an all consuming distraction for people. It can make them irritable and moody around their family and their kids and everything else. And what could be more fulfilling than truly helping somebody get their life back? And I think that's why it's worth investing the time, investing the effort to just take your wisdom and skills to the next level and actually like make a sincere effort to truly understand what the problem is so you can give true solutions to help people make a breakthrough. 100%. I would like to know just from your years of experience you've had, Brendan, if you can name a client or if you can maybe have an idea of clients that you've gotten in front of where you recall who this person was the first day they sat down with you, how they showed up, what changed in their life beyond becoming healthier and pain-free, what are some things you've noticed that have astronomically improved in their life? 
based off of their experience with you, and I know it's a little bit of bragging here, but feel free to share with us how much of a difference that experience has made on their life in any way. Yeah, I mean, and and for me, it would be bragging for on the client's behalf because they're the true hero. We're just there, there to, meant to be the guide. I know one of the clients I first had early on in my career, she was young girl, she was 26. She was about 400 pounds. And so I'd have to meet her at the gym at 5 a.m., because she was too embarrassed to go at any other time when somebody might actually see her. So we started training 5 a.m. And the whole time, you know, I had such tremendous respect for her and the journey that she's going through and the amount of inner strength it took to actually go to the gym every day when you're seeing, you know, the gym is a place for very fit people and everything else. But I think what was happening was she was just in a dark place and she wanted to get back to being her again. You know, her whole life had just gone into a very dark place. So she ended up over the next six months, she lost, I think it was 140 pounds um, and got a boyfriend. And that was a big deal. Like to me, that was bigger than just like winning the Super Bowl or the Stanley Cup. It's like she got a boyfriend. She became a mom, you know, and it was such a far stretch, like finding a man and and now being a mother and everything else from going back to just being in a really dark place. So for me, you know, I've worked with, professional athletes, NHL, CFL, like Olympic athletes and everything else. I've helped people win gold medals in the Olympics. But for me, I'm all about the unsung heroes of society. I'm all about, you know, the soccer moms or the single moms that nobody really appreciates what they're doing, but they're working harder than anybody behind the scenes. And so for me, you know, I've got past wanting to have all these high profile clients and celebrity clients and everything like that. To me, I'm more inspired by the everyday people and being their biggest fan. And I think, you know, when you have a personal trainer, it's like having that number one fan that's in your corner that understands the journey and understands the challenges and is seeing the best in you the whole time. And who couldn't benefit from something like that? I think we all need that sometimes. Life is hard enough as it is. We all need somebody in our corner that we can just kind of lean on to help us get through those dark times in life. I'm so glad you shared that, Brennan, because it, it reminds me once again, and I'm sure this is majority of our listeners that you know are on the road or they're plugging in, um, listening to this right now, where, again, it's the unsung heroes who are still working 40 to 50 hours a week, trying to do their best at their current position. They're trying to be the best mother or father. They're trying to be the best spouse. They're trying to be the best friend for their buddies. They're still trying to make sure that they're the best son or daughter. Like, there's just... that's. That's five major rocks in someone's life where a lot of our listeners and a lot of people that follow our journey, similar to us, are just trying to be the best at everything they're doing. And sometimes certain things take priority more than the other. But what's beautiful, again, about the concept of coming to a trainer is while you're trying to juggle all of these things that are serving others, here's your opportunity to serve yourself. Mm-hmm. And it, it's so beautiful how you shared with that particular person Going from not wanting to be seen, perhaps even struggling with the concept of ever even having a partner in life, and then losing over a hundred pounds and then having a boyfriend. And like what that does to your confidence, um, it's very cliche to say this, but just like when they're explaining in the airport, right? Is like save yourself before you save another person. And it's like we just are built in a way, and I'm saying this as someone who doesn't even have kids, but I see this in my parents is we're built the moment we have kids and the moment we're, you know, getting older in life is to serve others. And you're the last person you think about because you're thinking about your kids first. You're thinking about your family first. But uh, with me right now, with my team of 13 trainers and 100 plus clients is all of our clients that have kids have told me that this is their safe haven, right? This is their one hour they get, three hours mm-hmm. a week where nothing else matters except them and their health and the stories they get to share to their trainer. That's it. And it's 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 awesome to see unfold for when people get to experience that. Absolutely. And I think life is hard enough as it is. I think everyone deserves it for going through that. And I think that that hour with a personal trainer that you check in a couple times a week, like it can really help you with correctives of perspectives. Because trainers get into that industry because they love to build people up. So Typically, when I'm meeting up with a client, like self-acceptance is a big issue. A lot of times people are judging themselves too harshly. They're getting down on themselves. They don't feel like they deserve better or they've got a lot of self-doubt. 
And a lot of times they people just need someone to remind them like, hey, you know what? You're a work in progress. Like if you were to take a masterpiece painting, like think of one of the best paintings, most successful paintings in the world. What do you think of maybe like the Mona Lisa or something like that? Picasso. Picasso. How did it look after the first 10 minutes? If you were to judge that painting, you'd be like distorted. Yeah, it would. It would be incomplete. But in the same way, I would submit to you that everybody is a masterpiece in progress, but we shouldn't judge it because it's still a work in progress. And I think there's inescapable stages of our development. So I think everybody's just judging themselves a little bit too soon. And sometimes you just need a friend in your corner to give you that corrective perspective that can make you feel at peace with being who you are and kind of just be there to give you strength through every step in your journey. So I think I think personal training is more than just personal training. Like I feel like it's one of the most powerful things somebody can have in their life. And that's why I'm I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to do this for a living and so grateful to coach other personal trainers on how they can be thought leaders. Because for me, leadership is all about leading with a mindset and setting an example on that. And I think, you know, when you can do that for those people that come to see you, the the fulfillment and the impact you have can be so tremendous. I'm glad you mentioned impact because I, I genuinely, Brendan, thought about this today in class while you were teaching and, you know, everyone's hands were coming up when Jeff's like, who's going to be able to gain a new client from doing this? And everyone's hands go up and who feels like they got value today? And everyone's hand went up. And I just started thinking like how much of that indirect impact you must feel like you are making through exercise therapy association by knowing that you're creating this behavior change for personal trainers because you're seeing the buy-in you're seeing the time and energy that they're investing in this course and they're going to take this information and they're going to do it with people in their gym and it's going to make a difference and i think that's a really cool thing about saying like you reach a point in life where you have a certain amount of power and there's a certain amount of influence you carry and what you're saying and what you're doing with other people that have a different level of power because people are going to trust them and believe that they're the go-to person to, you know, mm-hmm. go through the assessments and go through the protocol. And it's just something I wanted to add and share where I can't imagine what that must feel like, where you genuinely know you're now a part of making a difference in a thousands people's lives. And that was something as a trainer that, to be honest, I struggled with, where I would rather be the unspoken hero behind the scenes, making more of a bigger impact than the trainer who's making an astronomical difference in 15 people's lives. And there's nothing wrong with that. But again, going back to the concept of leadership and knowing why you want to be a leader in the first place. It's not because of money. It's not because of status. It's not because of ego. I feel like it's a lot of what we're talking about is the concept of, you know, that through a certain level of education you now have, it's almost like you are now meant and needed to deliver this to whoever it is that can carry this to 15 people each for you to then be like, you know what? I may not see it, but I feel like I know that a thousand lives are being changed through my model that I've created. So I think there's two parts to that that I like to discuss. One is humility hygiene and the other is is happiness, paths to happiness. I think, you know, in my own life journey, and I think a lot of us are learning this, there's tends to be two paths to happiness. There's sort of the self-indulgent happiness, creating happiness for ourselves. And then there's finding happiness in creating happiness for others. And what I find is there's a greater, more lasting happiness in finding your joy and creating joy for others. So for me, I find greater happiness in coaching a student and hearing their success story and then even creating a success story for myself, you know, and I think that's part of the teacher's journey. That's part of the leader's journey is that, and I know there were some studies done on this where they'd give participants a thousand dollars and they'd say, go spend this thousand dollars on you this week. And then they'd give people $1,000 and say, spend this $1,000 on others. And what they found was uh, at the end of the week, you know, people were pretty happy. But if you were doing the self-indulgent happiness, your happiness pretty much died off at the end of the week. But those who had found happiness for others, a month later, they are still happy because they're happy about who they are, the impact they've had. 
and they still they look back with, and it brings them happiness to remember what they did for others. And then those who witnessed what they did for others, they get some happiness from it. The people they've helped get happiness from it. It just exponentially increases. It's kind of like that movie, Pay It Forward. It was a very inspirational movie for me back in the day. So I'm always looking for opportunities to find happiness and creating happiness for others. And I'd encourage other people to experiment with that in their own lives. So I think that's one of the things being in that position. The other thing is, uh, you know, you talk about creating a model and this model is influencing other health professionals that are influencing clients and it's all rippling out and everything else. And I think this is a very, this is a very, um, it can be a very pivotal situation to be in because if you look back in human history, you know, how much has ego been the enemy that took down many great warriors and successful people and, and the like? Like, how much has a big ego caused big problems in someone's life? Big time. Ego yeah. is the enemy, right? Absolutely. So I think one of the keys we need to do is going back to gamification. You know, I think one of our first bosses we have to face is self-doubt. You have to believe in yourself first. And, and then later on down the road, ego is going to show up. You're going to start to have some success and people are going to flatter you and they're going to compliment you. And if you absorb it, it can grow. It can make the head grow. And then when the ego starts to grow, it's a bad idea because what really sinks in is ingratitude. Okay. So if you're saying, if somebody's saying to me like, okay, well, you created this system and, uh, you know, you kind of made up all this stuff and through your experience, now it's helping all these people. I try to say, I try to take that pride and turn it into gratitude. And the way I do it is a simple little game. And I do this all the time. I call it humility hygiene. Okay. Cause if we get ego, it starts to stink. And you know, if you let the ego build up. So what I do is this, uh, if somebody get compliments me on an achievement or something like that, I ask myself, who had to do a good job so I could do a good job? Okay. So I think, okay, I 100% accomplished this by myself. Hold on. I don't, that's a bad idea to think that way. Who had to do a good job so I could do a good job? And then I think, okay, well, first of all, on the very surface level, you know, I've got my business partner, Jeff, and he's the one who convinced me to teach anyway. I didn't even want to be a teacher. I was happy just training people. Right. Yeah. And then I've got students who invested their money. And then I've got other fitness organizations who have brought me in as a, as a, uh, as an educator for all of their staff. And then, you know, I've got the people in the industry that came before me that inspired me. You know, I took courses and I, I did schooling on all this different stuff. And then I've got all the clients that ever trained with me. I learned the most from them. You know, they all had to do a good job. They all had to be, they all had to be broken for me to have the opportunity to learn how to fix people. Right. And then I take it a step a step further than that. And I'll say, so right now I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe I'm like 50% of the success equation. I'm like, that's not good enough. That's still too much, too much ego on that. So then I say, okay, well, who else had to do a good job? And then I think, well, you know, if I take it a step further, I didn't grow my own food. There are people in society who grow food and sell it to me. I can pay money and it saves me the time of having to grow everything. I didn't make my own clothing. If I had to do that, I'd have no time for fitness training. You know, there are people who work on paving the roads, so that I could travel to where I need to be. Somebody invented the automobile and the airplane so I could get to these places to teach. Otherwise, somebody invented, somebody came up with the internet and the computers. If that didn't happen, we couldn't have people signing up for our courses. You know, so I start to see the rest of society is also a part of this success equation. And then uh, and then I might think, okay, well, maybe I'm down to like 25% of it was me now, right? And I'm like, say oh. 1% at that point. Yeah, yeah, And then I'm like, you know, okay, well, what were the invisible forces that supported me? Because I'm like, you know, am I really the source of the good ideas? Or do they just come, like my brain's like a receiver and these ideas are coming from sources I don't know and they're showing up as an intuitive guidance or something like that. I'm not even sure I'm the source of my own good ideas or intuitions, right? And then there's also some sort of an invisible force that beats my heart for me when I'm sleeping. If I had to beat my own heart, I would have forgotten that long ago and I'd be dead by now. I forget where I leave my car keys half the time, right? Or sometimes I walk into a room and I forget why I walked in there. If I had to beat my own heart, I'd be long gone by now, yeah. right? And then there's a there's a force that's working my immune system for me, keeping me from getting sick. There's a force that digests my food for me. Like I eat food and it's a mystery what happens after that. I don't know how the nutrients get broken down and go to the body parts that need it. There is clearly an intelligent and intentional force that's supporting me. 
It keeps me breathing at night and everything else. So now I'm like, you know what? I am less than 1% of the success equation. So instead of being proud, like, oh, I created this system and it's influencing all these people and making lives better. I'm like, no, I am grateful to have this experience, but really I am not the doer. And I think when we get to that point, that's where we become our best. And I think that is something we should all, um, I would challenge people to do that. I think that's a much better idea than convincing ourselves we are the doer, because I think that leads to a lot of ingratitude to all these different things mentioned. And gratitude is one of the best paths to happiness. So I think it is in our best interest. Do you want to be happy? Yes or no. And if yes, we should work on cultivating gratitude. And how can we do that? Stay the heck away from pride. Pride is like, pride comes before the fall. You know, it is the like, it is the the root vice of all vices. So we need to realize like pride is actually one of your greatest opponents and pride. There's such a temptation for it in the fitness industry. We can be proud of how our body looks and the the achievements we've got in our fitness and everything else. But then what happens if you let that pride grow, you can become conceited, you can become vain. And then what happens is you're thinking more about yourself and less about everybody else. And I think to really succeed at this, you really have to be more focused on others and appreciating others and seeing the best in them. And I think we really have the greatest strength in this industry when we realize that we're just not the doer. There's all these other forces out there supporting us. Brendan J. Fox for president, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Holy moly. That that would be what you just said, the the formula for living a happy fulfillful life and everything you said brendan brings it back to it takes a nation you did not do all this by yourself you know as you were talking there i couldn't help but think about the respect and admiration a samurai has for their sword and they they do not take any credit alone for what they need to do and what they have done it is the what's wielded in their hand it's the armor on their body. It's the tools, the accessories, the support, the team, the people, their opponent that are needing to be thanked, not themselves. Themselves are essentially uh, a vessel in the process. And what you just said is truly when I think about the most greatest champions of all time, you know, those like George St. Pierre, they are genuinely so thankful to everyone but themselves. And yes, there's a little bit that's factor in the 1%. You're the one who's showing up every day, but you're thinking who's showing up with you. Because without all that there, there's no show to watch. You know, and that that's something that's that's genuinely speaks volumes to me and in, in everything that I'm doing because um, as much as I wish I could just sit here all alone and talk to myself on the podcast, I, I, I feel more comfortable, you know, when I'm talking on the radio and I'm doing my thing, speaking with someone like yourself, who's able to offer this information. And yeah, what you just said is, uh, it's beautiful. Well, thanks. Thanks. I mean, the one thing I remind myself of for humility hygiene, I remind myself what my life would be like without the contributions and hard work of other people in society. And basically here's how I think it would be. I'd probably be shivering in the cold eating bugs and I'd be very beast like like I'm like I'm like this is a far cry from that you know like so just it but it also makes you then grateful for when you're participating in society you know it makes you want to be that person that's going to smile to a stranger or make somebody feel good and pick them up when they're having a bad day because now you're motivated by gratitude more than anything so instead of it gets us away from that sense of entitlement well right you're not closed off Right. There's there's something to say about when someone gets a vibe from another person, even if they're not speaking, even if they're just simply in the room. What does this person's energy feel like? You know, there's there's a sense of being threatened by it. There's a sense of being like, oh, you know what? I'm open to this because this person's doors are open. Right. Like your wings, your imaginary wings, Brendan, are just like they're they're spread out from end to end in the room. Right. But it, it just shows in how you carry yourself. And I find that this could be a debatable topic. This is either innate. This is like something that perhaps is just uh, someone has or through their upbringing they've seen and they're now indoctrinating on a day to day basis. Or it's something that possibly can be worked on. And, and I'm wondering how you feel about that when there's certain aspiring leaders mm-hmm. listening to this episode and they're like, yeah, you know what? I want 
I want to have that mentality, but why is it so hard for me to have it? Why does my ego keep coming in the way? Yeah, You yeah. know, like, what can I do to make it less about me, me, me at work and my performance and, and what my team needs to do and, and, and more about, Hey, you know what? There's a reason why we're doing what we're doing. Here's the impact we're trying to make. And, and here's my genuine, you could say, um, thankfulness, like my sincerity towards my team. Cause this, I, I wouldn't even be in my position if it weren't for you guys. And how does one work on that? What would your advice be when there's people that struggle with this? I mean, my advice would be this, is to first of all, affirm your highest potential. Everyone was is born with the potential for great wisdom. And we're all on the journey to actualize that great wisdom we have the potential to have, right? Some people take it more seriously than others. I think wisdom is your greatest investment. And now and another thing is, Sometimes people vilify suffering and discomfort. And so they judge the moment and they get frustrated with their circumstances. I think one thing that's important for us to consider is how great wisdom comes from our suffering, right? If you take a look at some of the most challenging moments in life, when you suffer the most, how much gems of wisdom came out of that? That if you were faced with that same situation in life, you would handle it much better from having gone through it. I think one of the things we need to realize to ourselves is not to judge the moment when things, when we're suffering, but to know that suffering leads to wisdom. And then you know what happens with wisdom? Wisdom leads to joy because the wiser you are, the more you can reframe and see things from a higher perspective and appreciate the moment. And the more you can discern which thoughts are beneficial to think and which thoughts you should be kicking out of your mind. You can discern which desires are good for you and which desires you need to purify. And you can discern how you want to live your life best. I think, you know, all of us want to be a good person and find the right way of living, but there's a right way to do the right way. And that only comes with wisdom. And that comes with taking seriously the fact that we're all pilgrims on a journey from ignorance to understanding in all things. You know, we were all born, we were babies, we we're trying to learn how to crawl, learn how to walk. You know, there was like these, there was a lot of pressure to learn these lessons early on. But then as we mature and become adults, we don't realize that there is so many more lessons we need to learn that we are still childlike, perhaps in our emotional maturity. We're childlike still in our spiritual maturity and that we can still learn to grow and flourish in those other dimensions of life. And it's just a ma matter of having a passion for learning. One of my um, favorite role models Excuse me. Um, that I look up to is a guy named uh, Paramahansa Yogananda. He wrote Autobiography of a Yogi. And he once said that life is nothing, life is for two things, our education and our entertainment. And I think that's important to remember because sometimes we forget to have fun too on top of all this learning stuff. Wow. You know, when you, when you look at that model of from suffering to wisdom to joy, it, it reminds me of the importance of actually humanizing the experience as a leader and being more upfront and honest about your emotions and how you're feeling and, and what you're going through as a leader so your team knows that you're not Mr. or Miss Perfect. And I would like to share a personal example where recently with my team, um, I was priming them on what they are going to be scored on their next performance review. And I felt like this was a nice opportunity to not only get everyone together before I leave for my trip for a few weeks and make sure we're all on the same page, but also just get them to know, hey, here's what's coming in the next three to six months. I want you all to check in with one another and tell me where you personally feel like you're at. And in fact, no, don't tell me, but just think in your head where you believe you're at on a scale of zero to five on four of these following quadrants. And what they were, Brendan, was, you know, where's your level of perseverance at? Uh, where are you for driving for results? And one of them was customer focus. Those are the three out of four that first come to mind. And as I got to talking, I could see, you know, their faces going, oh, you know, they're thinking, you know, I need to work on this or I'm really good at that. I had some of them share, which ones do you feel like you're personally really good at and what's making that really good? You know, I wanted to give them the chance to share what's going well. And then when I asked, okay, team, why don't we share, if anyone's willing, 
what's something you feel like you know you're going to have to prioritize and work on? And, you know, one of my trainers, no surprise, luckily, she was able to share what it was. And, you know, I appreciated the fact that she was honest, never easy to do in a room to talk a little bit about what you need to work on. And I just thought in my head right in that moment that, you know what, they need to hear what I need to work on. You know, here's here's something where as leaders, we tend to always make sure we look and act a certain way. I'm not saying it's perfect, but it's polished. And I needed to tell the team, whether they realize it or not, that team, the one thing that sticks out to me that I know I need to work on is our ability to drive for results. Because I say it in the emails, I say it to everyone one-on-one, I say it in our meetings, but now it needs to be led with action. And that's our ability to make sure that we're going to be the best club. We're going to be the best group of trainers in Western Canada. Hashtag best in the West. But if I'm being honest with you right now is no matter how many times we say it, if we don't back that up with action, especially by me, it's not going to happen. So I just want to own up to this team and recognize that I've been saying it a lot, but I'm not backing that up with action. And what this is going to come with team is a certain level of systems we have in place that I need all of us, including myself, to adhere to. And if we can't adhere to that, then we're no longer going to be able to have the fruitful opportunity to get starter packs or get opportunities from the sales team or myself. You need to make sure we are now following ourselves with the highest standard because that is what the best does. Right now, we're all kind of just going through the motions. Maybe one day we don't actively go and network with people on the floor. We can't have that anymore. So for what I've been doing as a leader, I'll be honest, is I've been too nice. I've been too easy on you guys. And I know this sounds like I'm about to be tougher, but that's the bar we've set. And right now, I need to make sure that I'm setting that because no one else is. So team, going forward, here's the system. Here's what we're following through. If we can't, then you're going to lose out on the opportunities that just get handed to you. And I recognize that, okay, here's my opportunity to mention the struggle. Because once again, for someone like myself who wants to make the vibe and the atmosphere fun and exciting, I, as a leader, struggle, Brandon, to have these really tough, hard-hitting conversations that are going to potentially make someone no longer want to be a part of the team. But now that I've mentioned the standard and I got us back to the type of winning culture I want us to have, this is how I want people to show up every day. And if you can't be a part of the system, you at least now know what you're not going to get anymore. And um, I'm glad I did that because it allowed me to express something that isn't, it's not a comfortable conversation to have because it starts with you. And I followed that up back to our point about uh, humility, humility, hygiene, hygiene. Yes. I was like, help me finish this with humility, hygiene. I told the team, I said, listen, I also want to recognize and call this, a compliment sandwich, if you will. But I wanted to tell them right afterwards that team, before I leave this meeting, I want you to know that as often as I go pursue my dreams competing in jujitsu, I nearly do not thank you all enough. And I would not be able to go this often if you all didn't perform so well and take care of your clients and make sure that we're running a smooth, well-oiled machine here where people are getting taken care of. And if I left this often and that wasn't done, I wouldn't be allowed to leave because there would just be way too many fires to put out. So I want to thank each and every single one of you for whether I'm in the building or not, you're getting the job done. And I'm just yeah, yeah. glad it's I was beautiful. able to do they, that, you know? they are part of your success equation, right? If you don't yes. have a team, you can't be there helping people. There may not even be a training department there. They are part of every one of your success equations. Well, and, and that's why... I never told them this, but I'm sure they know. And, and I'll be very honest with this. Is I said, team, I want you all to understand that collectively, how you all do is how I'm doing. That's just the way we're, our, our structure is. So just know that at the end of the day, yes, I care a lot about each and every single one of your individual performances. But collectively, it's yielding what I am a part of in that equation of helping everyone out. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's something that... I know some leaders aren't comfortable sharing 
how things look for their performance behind the scenes. But what I've been working on lately, Brendan, as a leader in the fitness space is trying to just be more authentic and less robotic. Yeah. And I mean, that's part of the leader's journey. You're on the leader's journey right now. I've been on that leader's journey with my own team back in Toronto. And, you know, when I was there, we started with four trainers and we got up to 48 at one point. So hiring and training and mentoring and everything else. And part of that leader's journey is trying to come up with that game plan that's really going to help us win. And I cycled through so many different game plans. I said, okay, this is a system we're going to follow and this is going to help us win. And I was like, okay, that system took us from here to here. We're going to need a different system to get us to the next level. And then we're going to need a different one after that. And, and I just kept evolving in terms of what I thought was a good idea to create the most success for the team. And then where I ended up was completely different place when I started. So where I ended up, my performance evaluations were pretty much focused on what is your level of effort on your own self-improvement on a scale of one to 10? And why do you give yourself that score? And what do you want to learn about next? And what I would do is I decided that it all came down to everyone being the best version of themselves. Some trainers would want to specialize in kettlebells. Others would want to specialize in hands-on stretching. Others would want to specialize in combat training. And all I did was I kept people accountable to their learning journey on whatever path felt right for them. And I'd say, okay, well, what's your next action step for you to become the best version of you? What's your next educational step? Okay, how do I know you followed through on it? Can you follow up in an email? Like, can you just shoot a picture that you read this book or whatever it happens to be? So then all I was doing was I didn't focus on numbers anymore at all. I focused on everybody really participating in the self-realization of their higher potential. And then what I found was the numbers got better than ever. And the numbers took care of themselves. A guy named Jack Dixon once said that if you focus on results, you don't see change. But when you focus on change, you'll see results. Mm. And so what I was doing was I was inspiring everybody to be the best version of themselves. And then the, the, the meetings I had with people were so comfortable because they just knew that I'm just going to keep you accountable to becoming the hero you were always meant to be. Because I think every trainer has the potential inside them to be 10 out of 10 creative It's there. They can all be 10 out of 10 disciplined. They can all be 10 out of 10 loving and caring for people. Everybody can be 10 out of 10 on every character's strength. And that potential is inherent to all of us. And so what I'm doing as a leader is my goal is to see the best in every single person and hold them to that vision when they don't see the best in themselves. And I need to remind them who they are and what they're capable of. And all I'm trying to inspire them to do is do a better job of helping everybody else because when you're better, you can help everyone else be better. And that's why I think it's just so important that really our biggest, our our best investment is in our own wisdom because when you're wiser, you can do everything better. You can help more people. And that's all I was focusing on with my training team by the end of my journey, you know, and and I was doing that for 14 years. So it took me a while to get to that point. But there's many different levels in which we think this is a good idea. And then we think that is a good idea. And I realized in the end, you know, as much as I thought I knew things, I didn't really know what I didn't know. I didn't know, you know, and that was the most humbling thing. And now I'm at a part. One of the things I often tell myself is that the universe is infinite and so is my ignorance. There's always so much more to learn. I don't know what that, and I mean, you know, and that really is true. As much as we think we might know a lot, you know, compared against all space and time and all the truths of reality and everything else, I don't even know a speck on a speck of the sum total of all truth and wisdom, right? But I know that the more that I try to learn the next thing for me, the better things get every step of the way. So my, my, call to action for any health professionals or anyone who's watching at all is, you know, just consider for yourself with who you want to be and what you really want out of this life. What's the next step for you? Whatever it is, whatever it is, you need to do it. And, you know, maybe it's not the right thing, but you need to realize it isn't the right thing. You know, maybe you think, oh, it's if I do this, that'll take my life to the next level if I do that. And then maybe you find out it doesn't. But when you go through that process, the wrong way becomes the right way because then you try something else and you try something else and eventually you figure out what's really going to take you to that self-realization of your potential. Wow. And what I love about what you just shared, Brendan, is when you genuinely take care of your people, they're going to take care 
of what they need to do. They're going to take care of their people. They're going to take care of what needs to get done. And you're, you're inspecting the quality of their lifestyle. And there's nothing more important than that when you're leading anyone in the health space. You know, you're literally in the process of ensuring that your team is helping change other people's lives. So what are you doing as the leader to change your people's lives for the better? You know, and it, it, sometimes it's it's down to how comfortable and excited does your team feel even seeing you? You know, when, when they're reporting to you, talking about their week, talking about, you know, what they need to get done, talking about their own personal health, are they excited to show up? And I'll never forget who I ended up rehiring into good life is someone that said, Kenny, I loved my job, but you know what ended up making me leave? It was the person that was supervising me. They would would say, I would count down the days and I'd be scared for a one-on-one meeting. Mm -hmm. And can you promise me something? I'd say, what? Promise me you won't make me scared for when I need to see you. And we talked about it. And I loved how one of the other trainers who's really good friends with them said, listen, there's one thing I look forward to other than training my clients. It's going and seeing Kenny. Love it. You know, love and, it. And, and I love that he said that. And I, not, not to humble brag here or anything, but I'm just trying to resonate and recognize that what you said is so important. And I and it's always a work in progress. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. there's 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 a metrics you have to hit. There's making sure you want to have food on the table for your trainers and you recognize that oh, there's this timeline and window where if they keep not seeing any success for themselves or do the job, they're going to be one foot in, one foot out, right? Just like anyone who starts a new position and they're not seeing the money come in. But when they're patient, when you're able to actually help them out, when you're asking about how their workouts and their personal life is going, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And you know, for me, I find that the best thing to do, the best attitude in this career is to think long-term. And here's why. Just think about all the advantages of being a trainer. You get to wear comfortable clothes. You're hanging out at the gym with cool people. You get to make a real difference in people's lives. You get to have such creative freedom on what you do. The people that are there really do want to see you. They're paying money out of pocket, good money to go and see you, right? You can still have freedom with your schedule. And, you know, if you need an hour off here and there, you can make it happen, right? It's such an amazing profession when you compare it against all the professions on planet Earth. You know, this is literally one of the top professions, especially in a country like in North America, in Canada, right? Living in Canada as a personal trainer, that's got to be one of the top picks. If you're to play the game Planet Earth as a human, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) So it really is, it really is one of those uh, amazing professions. But the attitude I had right away was, oh my gosh, if it's actually possible to make a living in this, I want to just plan it out like I'm going to do it for the rest of my life. Mm. I'd love to be like an 85-year-old personal trainer and know that I did personal training for literally like 65 years or whatever, right? So I thought, I'm just going to invest all the money I can into my education to start. So I came out of university and I was in debt, uh, I think like 18,000 in student loans and something. And I thought, I'm already in debt 18,000. What's another 10,000? <laughs> so I just literally put everything on my credit card and I was traveling around taking courses and I did not bat an eye because I thought if I learn something now, I get the payoff for the next 60 years. Okay, so it's an amazing return on investment. This is worth going into debt for. Okay, so what I did was I took all the courses I could. But every time I did and I took a course, I enjoyed my job more because I had more tools in my toolbox to win and to help my clients win. And that became so much more fulfilling. So I fell even more in love with my job the more I learned. And I would say anybody who's in this profession, try to fall in love with it as best you can. And the best way to fall in love with it is to learn what you can to succeed at the job. And you'll realize that this literally can be the best job in the world. But the key is you can't judge the moment. You can't think short term dollars and cents and think about tomorrow. Like you got to think long game because anyone who's always been like, well, I don't have that money right now. It's like that is the defeatist attitude and you've already lost the battle inside 
You've lost to the undisciplined mind. It is way easier to make back that money when you're better and you're in more demand and you're making more money. So the idea is just invest in your future self. Make it a gift to the future version of you by becoming the best version of you today. Absolutely brilliant. And I find from a change behavior and psychology perspective, we need to treat whatever it is that you want to embark and learn on the same way you did or are going to and going into a university institution. Because why is it that we're so willing and we normalize, oh yeah, I've got student loans or student debt from this four-year education that is going to perhaps cost me twenty to $100,000 in debt. But I'll make that back when I get a job after for however many years and do a payment plan. So it's like, okay, well, let's just say in other ways of certifications or reading books or going to seminars or traveling to a certain destination that's going to make you a better version of yourself. Why are we not treating it with that same respect? And to Brendan's point here, what a great way of recognizing that, you know what, maybe it's a certain amount of year or maybe it's I see an opportunity that's going to make me better at what I do. There's my ROI right there. I'm going to have material at my disposal that is going to allow me to change the game of what I'm currently doing and offering. That money's going to come back. And that's the risk that we need to be willing to take because it's a calculated investment that you're making to not only improve other lives, but yours as well. Yeah, it's like everybody's the hero in their own life story. And you really step into your heroic greatness when you make the decision to invest in yourself. And there's a call to adventure in that. And there's a sacrifice in that. And so, you know, what I say is whenever somebody uses money as an excuse, it's like, look, there's no lack of money. There's just a lack of resourcefulness. You can always find the money if you need to. You can always get it on loan. You can talk to people, let them know how much this matters, how important it is. For the truth is, like, if you really, really want to help people, then you, you can be resourceful enough to find a way to get the tools you need, right? And so f- for me, it was easy. Just get credit cards. I just put everything on debt. But, <laughs> but you know, the, the, one thing I, the one thing I found was that the trainers that weren't willing to do that never really flourished, right? They became what I call psychological antiques or psychological fossils. Year by year, they were always doing the same things the same way. And then they found there was an anguishing monotony of their job. You know, they, they literally, there wasn't that excitement. You're not learning new things and then using it with people and making new breakthroughs. Like it, you got to remember that you're also filling up that passion meter whenever you learn something really cool and you get to try it out with your clients. Right. And that's why, you know, at the exercise therapy association, one of the things I love most is hearing these stories from students. And they're like, you know what? I'm in love with my job again. I'm in love with my career again because I'm getting all these breakthroughs with my friends, family, and my clients, you know, and now I really believe in what I'm doing for a living, you know, and I think as personal trainers, you're really part of one of the greatest movements in the world, which is just making people healthier and happier and getting them to believe in themselves again and building up their confidence. Like we're all teammates in that movement. And I think it's a very important movement. And sometimes just like anything, it's worth the sacrifices we have to make in the short term. So true. So you know what, listeners, if you're listening to this right now, whether you're somebody that wants to embark in becoming a better personal trainer or health advocate, or you're considering being a personal trainer, or heck, you just want to learn more about the human body, you need to go on Google and you need to look up Exercise Therapy Association and you need to look up when the next course is. And wherever you are in the world, you make that flight over and you make it happen to learn something brand new. We hope everyone's enjoying the show so far. We're ending it off on some nice, key, juicy secrets, as mentioned before, on, uh, in my opinion, what the competitive advantage is of Exercise Therapy Association and the delivery of the content in uh, how much that is differentiated compared to other certifications out there. And um, I'd like, Brendan, for you to share, you know, what you believe are the key differences that one Mm -hmm. is going to experience when they are going to do this certification. Yeah. So one of the things is I'm a big fan of the idea of learn by doing. So we don't do like PowerPoint and you're note taking the whole course. 
We actually get you up physically doing the assessments and correctives and all those different things for pain-free performance. We do learn by doing. So everybody's up, you're moving, and the time just flies. And the other thing we do is we give everyone a really awesome playbook of tools with really bright, beautiful pictures of all the different assessments and all the different movements and descriptions and everything so that for the rest of your life, you got this playbook. And then that way... We know you've got all the notes you need, so you're not getting carpal tunnel syndrome writing everything down the whole course. You can be present in the moment and take it in. And what we do is we also do case studies. Rather than showing film and footage of clients from the past, I just take people out of the crowd every time because in every course we teach, people have this mysterious aches and pains and injuries, and I bring them up in front of everybody and I break it down and show you how to use the system in action. And we'll get people pain-free for problems they've had for years. And I'll show everybody, but then I'll also reiterate, hey, there's nothing special about me. I'm showing you what you yourself are capable of doing if you're properly trained on it. You you now know these tools. You can do exactly what I just did in terms of getting this person pain-free for an issue they've had for, for years. So a lot of it is just really, and it's just kind of how I intuitively went about being an educator. You know, I just felt like this just makes sense to me. And I had taken a lot of courses and I thought they were really good. You know, I picked up things here and there. And one of the most important, like valuable lessons I picked up is how I don't want to do things. You know, for me, I'm always about making the students feel respected at all times. You know, I'm all about, we, you know, we don't swear. We don't talk about stuff that's offside. And all we do is build up the students. Because, you know, it took enough courage for them to take this course and to invest in themselves. And life has already beaten them down enough. You don't need an educator on a high horse making you feel small. Instead, you need somebody who's going to act like the way I act is like a concerned parent to the students or like an older brother mm. who just cares about you. And I'm looking out for you because I've gone ahead in this journey and I want to make your learning journey much easier than it was for me. So I'm going to give you all these awesome tools to try to like help you out to help you be the hero you were always meant to be. That That is truly sensational. And that is honestly how I believe if every leader and every educator out there led with that mentality, uh, we, we would just be creating ground shaking results in people's learning efforts and styles and how they then take that information and apply it. You know, and I, full transparency, I don't think I've shared this with you, Brandon, but, you know, for someone like me who has ADHD, I need the class to be structured the way you structure it because it keeps me engaged. And I'm not going to mention other names of other certifications I've done, but if I could compare what that felt like, I remember I had this, almost like this. This was when I, this was like my final straw moment because yeah. I'm recently diagnosed with ADHD and it really upset me when this happened is I went into this space because I'm really passionate about it. And, you know, this is a journey that for many of you who don't know who are listeners, you know, our, our podcast listeners are aware of this. People, my friends and my my network know this is I've, I've always thrived to want to do something I love and and be able to make a living from it. And, and I'm doing that now in the health and fitness space. But there was this one course I've done. And I remember I felt like the educator was doing everything just fine. They knew their stuff. It was exciting material. But my mind kept drifting off, kept drifting off, kept drifting off. And I started to realize that this is something that I definitely need to look into is my memory recall and my ability of my mind going in other places. Before, I just used to think it was just because it was boring material I was learning. But now the first time in my life, it's material that I'm passionate about and I want to learn. Why do I keep drifting away? And it was too much of the same thing for too long. It was instructor talks. You listen. Hour and a half goes by. Let's take a break. And I just, I couldn't do it. And you know, when I see how you structure and educate your students is the first word that comes to mind, Brennan, is inclusivity, is when you look and see how people feel walking into your course from the moment everyone leaves, everyone's high-fiving and hugging. And it's it's because you're getting people involved with one another and not just you. And you're getting people to break out into sessions and actually drill. And I love that you said that today. It's no matter how much you learn, what matters is what you drill is what's going to stick. We talk a lot about that in martial arts and jujitsu. 
right? I can watch UFC all day. doesn't mean I'm going to be this expert MMA fighter. I have to try it out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, moral of the story there is I just love how you give every possible way from the hands-on worksheets to actually doing it yourself with a partner to, hey, why doesn't everyone just share their own personal issues with their bodies and let's see if we could fix it. It just creates such a fun, loving, exciting atmosphere to learn. And uh, that that's my exercise therapy association testimonial, if you will. And uh, I just appreciate everything that you guys are doing. Well, you know, it's an honor and a pleasure to to be able to have this opportunity to travel around and coaching and helping everyone and everything else. And we're just grateful to do it. And so that great, that gratitude inspires the way we teach, Yes, you know, and I hope that comes across and, you know, and, and all the students are a part of that. Every time I go and teach a course, I'm just so impressed with, you know, I just fell in love with 25 people, you know, because I just, the minute I meet people, I'm just seeing the best in them. They just feel like long lost friends. The minute we get in there and it's just like, Hey, look, I'm just going to help you on the next step in your journey. And you're going to go out there and be the hero you were always meant to be. And that's what we're all about at the exercise therapy association, just being a friend to everybody and helping everyone get to the next level. That's the best. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you found a ton of value on Full Switch today. If this is something that you enjoyed, please, you know, tune in again every Friday from 6 p.m. to 7.30 where we bring on thought leaders just like Brendan J. Fox himself to share tips and strategies on how you can become a better leader in your own respective space. So before we get out of here today, we're going to have Brendan share with us how we can find him, where we could continue to follow his journey and see what ETA is all about. Perfect. Uh, stay in touch with us. Let's be friends. Help us help you. ExerciseTherapyAssociation.com. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook and YouTube and everything else. Just you know, get on our list and so we can keep in touch with you through emails and let you know when we're going to be around and hopefully we can meet up. And on top of that, you know, I just want to say, Kenny, to yourself and Adriel and everyone behind this podcast, I just want to honor you on behalf of everyone who's listening, because what you're doing is truly a gift to suffering humanity. You're bringing wisdom and perspective that's empowering to a lot of people, and you probably don't hear it enough. And I know that there's so many hours behind the scenes that goes into doing what you guys do. And so for once, if it hasn't been done yet, on behalf of the audience, I just want to say thank you so much for the beautiful gift of love and wisdom that you're committed to giving to society freely. Thank you so much, Brendan. That means a lot. Thank you. That's a wrap. Thank you.